Amen. Thank you, friends. Um, well, if you don't have your Bible already out, let me encourage you uh, to do so. We're going to be in Revelation uh, chapter 20 this morning. Um, and before we do, let me introduce myself. My name is Aaron Cotton, and I'm the family uh, discipleship pastor. And it's such an honor to be before you. We've been going through a series on uh, eternity for the past few weeks, and um, it's my privilege to uh, close us out um, as we uh, go into a new, ser- new series um, next next week. And so I want to ask a question up front. And um, the question is this, is have you guys ever been camping? Now, I'm not talking about like camping with an RV known as glamping. I'm not talking about that kind of camping. I'm talking about a camping that you actually have to have a tent. Uh, you have to bring your own food. Uh, there may not be a grill available. So you got some Slim Jims, crackers, like that kind of trip, y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like back in 2009, uh, my wife and I, before we were actually married, we went on a mission trip um, to Costa Rica. Uh, and on this mission trip to Costa Rica to go serve Jesus um, and his people, uh, we found ourselves on an island. Because the only way that you could get to, the, the, to this people group that we were going to go serve was by boat. And so I was in college at the time. And if you, you know when you're in college, you're always down for an adventure. And so we went on this adventure uh, there, like, we, all we had was tents, and we go onto this island uh, to serve these people. And y'all, I, I, some of y'all like the beach. I actually had a conversation this morning like, man, I just love the beach. I miss the beach. Man, it's good for you guys, but man, I can't stand the beach. I can't do the salt. I can't do the sand. And where we were at, it was like nothing but the beach, nothing but the heat, nothing but the humidity, and nothing to rinse off afterwards. And we're there for like a few days. And so you know when you go camping, you go without. Right, you don't have the comfort of your home. You don't have, you know, running water. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Uh, but in this moment of where we were going to go serve, oh, man, uh, there was things being revealed in my heart that were not good. <laughs> I needed to repent of and turn and trust in Jesus in new and fresh uh, ways. And you think, why am I telling you this, this story? Because Paul paints this picture for us as we read in 2 Corinthians 5 that we're all um, camping in a sense. We're all carrying a tent on a pilgrimage to a better home. There's a a better home that awaits us. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1 says this, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, an eternal one in the heavens. For in this tent we groan. We long to put on our heavenly dwelling. You know, this is so counterculture to uh, where we find ourselves in. I mean, back a few years ago, the, the, the saying was, it was called YOLO. If you've ever heard of this, uh, you only live once. First time I heard YOLO, I thought they were talking about frozen yogurt. I was like, no, I actually prefer a bluebell, actually. Uh, some vanilla, I don't know about this YOLO, right? But that's our culture is that we want to do everything that we can in this life to soak it up, to live it up. But there's anything that this series has taught us going through eternity is that this is not our eternal home. But yet the tendency for us is that we can easily forget and fall asleep to these eternal realities. And when we do, we think that this is our forever home. If you watch HGTV, there's a show called The Property Brothers. They actually have a show called The Forever Home. I'm not talking about like, there is, this life is not our forever home. There's a home that is to come for those that are in Jesus. This is our, 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 our temptation is to live this life up, to collect, to store, thinking that this life is all that there is. 
and eternity forgetfulness seeks to obtain in this life what is only available and afforded in the next. This life, y'all, this life is preparation for the one to come. And I know this year has brought major disappointment. I know there's been much difficulty. I mean, this has been the Debbie Downer of all years. And I don't want to downplay that whatsoever. But what I want to do this morning, I feel like what God is leading us into is into, is into a new perspective. To look at all the memes and to look at all the jokes that are out there about year 2020. There's a new reality and a different perspective that God invites us into. Because I've been wondering to myself about the state of the church in 2020. Are we going to be like the Israelites in the wilderness who complained and wanted to go back to Egypt on their tent journey? Do you remember when God invited his people on a tent journey? A lot of groaning, a lot of complaining, a lot of things being revealed in them. I wonder if we're gonna, our minds are going to drift towards the past and, and, and we're going to be wanting to go to Egypt, but yet there's a present, deep intimacy with Jesus in year 2020 right now in which the seat in which you sit. That he's working, y'all. He's still wooing a people. to. He's drawing us into a deeper trust in him because it was the Israelites who wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to be comfortable but yet still be in bondage. And I wonder if, if God has shaken things up in this, this year to, to, for us to trust him and to, re, to repent in ways that we have never repented before, to experience growth like we've never experienced before. He's doing something. He's working, and he's preparing a place for you. C.S. Lewis says this, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, satisfy the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. So this morning, friends, I want us to unpack this world, this preparation for those that are in Jesus. But as we'll read here in just a little bit, is that those who reject Jesus or remain on the fence about him, there's a final judgment that awaits. So we're talking about the final judgment. Aren't you glad you came to this Sunday on a Labor Day weekend? Happy Labor Day. But y'all, it's in the text, it's in the word, and so let's look to it in Revelation chapter 20. Verse, we'll start in verse 7. The Bible says this, And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison, and he will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle, and their number is like the sand of the sea. If you look and you're tracking with the book of Revelation, there's I mean, a lot going on. There's bowls, there's trumpets, uh, there's a lot of activity, there's a dragon, there's a beast. Maybe we should spend the next time in our growth groups going through the book of Revelation. That would be a journey, huh? All these things that God has done has revealed himself in big ways. But it's, it was interesting to me as I was preparing for the text this morning is that still even all that God had done, all that they had seen or at least heard of, Satan is still able to deceive not just a few, but the masses, the mass amount of people. The Bible says the number is like the sand of the sea. And this enemy, that one that, that, that prowls around like a lion seeking whom he can devour, he does this today. He, he seeks those in an attempt to isolate them, to, to bring confusion so that he can do a work. This is, how, this is what the enemy does. 
is he whispers lies. And we believe those lies. And it's really easy to believe those lies when we're in the midst of the wilderness and when we're separated from community. So I know our kids are in the house this morning. So I did a little bit of a sermon prep uh, in preparation for today. And if y'all don't know this about me, I love the Lion King. I just, I, I, I just go ahead and lay that down right now. Like, I, I love Lion King. I'm not talking about 2019 Lion King, like, a.k.a. Discovery Channel. I'm talking about 94 animated version, that Lion King, right? So I was watching some Lion King, and uh, there's that scene where, like, the saddest part in the movie of all time. We don't have to speak of it, okay? We'll just kind of go past that part. Still scarred back in 94 from that lion named Scar. And what does Scar do, y'all? When Simba was at his lowest place, kids, y'all remember this? Y'all remember when Simba was at his lowest place, that enemy Scar comes in and starts speaking lies. He starts, starts speaking false things. Simba, don't you know what you just did? Don't you know if you go back home, what you will be known for? Do you, do you, you, you're not going to be able to be around your mom. Your mom's going to disown you. So what does Scar do? He says, Simba, run away, Simba, and never come back. And Simba darts. The music gets intense. And Simba's on this pursuit away from the promised land, in a sense, away from home and into the wilderness. And when I was watching this, I couldn't help but look at this clip right, or this, uh, this picture right here. As Simba is running away from home. And I don't, know what, I don't know if Disney knows what they're doing, but y'all, this is like, when I start looking at this, Simba's running and there's thorns and thistles. Because what the enemy does is he comes into the picture, isolates us, speaks lies to us, and then, and then, and then we start believing crazy thoughts in amongst the thorns and thistles. And if your mind's thinking towards biblically, Genesis chapter 3, part of the curse, part of the fall is that we would endure a thorns and thistles. And the sad reality of some of us this morning is that the enemy has gotten a hold of us, isolated us, speak, spoke lies to us to say, run away, run away and never return. Your father doesn't want you. You're not loved. You're not worthy. And yet the father's voice is inviting you to come out of hiding this morning, to come and find your safety and your rest in him. Y'all, this is a terrible way to live. There's a different way. That's why Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Trust me. Come follow after me. There's a better way. And Simba gets out of these thorns and thistles. And what's he do? He attempts to make a living with a meerkat and a hog. And lions don't, like they don't get, a, they don't get along. And Timon, the first thing, first thing we see, see Simba is he freaks out thinking he's going to die. But what Simba do, Simba do is he loses himself in the wilderness he starts singing Akuna Matata with Timon and Pumbaa to escape reality. And some of us this morning are in the wilderness singing Akuna Matata, maybe living it up on the weekend, or maybe having some things that we're consuming to distract ourselves from the reality that there's something missing. Didn't that what happened within Simba? I'm created for this. There's got to be something more. It seems like I'm, I'm, I'm living off of bugs. I'm a lion. Y'all, will we quit settling for bugs? Well, we quit selling for mud pies when there's a feast. The, 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 the psalmist will say, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's a feast available when we come back home. That's made available in Jesus. Y'all, so we are created to be on journey with God's people amongst communities. Simba starts believing lies is because he gets separated from the herd. 
you know, as, as we are, are as followers of Jesus, we belong to this herd. We belong to the pack. My, my concern for us as a church is that, is that we're, we're allowing things of this world and the voices that are out there to isolate us, separate us from the wisdom that comes amongst being in the word amongst God's people. The word is clear. It says in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, for we must not neglect meeting with the saints as others have made it a habit of doing, but be present to stir one another up in encouragement for the day. The day of judgment is drawing near. And because this day is coming, where are you? Whether tuning in online or here before us this morning, where are you in the practice of presence amongst God's people to stir one another up towards encouragement and not entitlement? To stir one another up in, in encouragement, not in entitlement. This is a hard time. This is difficult. 2020, yada, 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 all the memes, all the jokes. Yes, but we're not to be able to live this life alone, y'all. We need each other. We need we need presence. We need God's people present among speaking life to one another. And I understand if you're tuning in online, I understand that there's a, there's a, there's a concern and there's a, there, you've got to do what's best for your family and I want to, to respect that. But even as you are tuning in online or we're Zooming one another, we need community around us however we can. We can't do this. We can't do this alone. Let's not allow the enemy, that old enemy of Scar from, from Disney, but this real present enemy have a foothold in this place. Mask or no mask, pandemic or plandemic. Let us all be a people who humble ourselves, lay down our preferences, serve one another, and sacrifice our desires for the unity of the bride in the advancement of the gospel. Isn't this what Jesus did for us? Our servant king? The God-man put on flesh, left his rightful place in heaven of constant praise to serve and give his life for rebels who didn't deserve him. And so, y'all, let's keep things priority. What's priority? Which is the Great Commission, to make disciples. We're all about inviting all people to follow Jesus in all of life. That all people includes people from other different perspectives. We can't allow this world to divide us. We can't allow the enemy in. And so let's be about the gospel. Let's be centered on Jesus because the enemy is at work. He's able to convince the masses. We be present, centered in the truth. But here's the reality. If we keep reading, the enemy has no power over us. Y'all, his enemy, or sorry, his, his defeat is sealed and it's a guarantee. Look at uh, Revelation 20 verse 9. It says, and they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints of the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they were tormented day and night forever and ever and ever. That this enemy, his defeat is a guarantee. There will be no more deception, no more lies, no more spiritual warfare, no more darkness. His days will be over. And it's his future defeat that gives us hope for today. He has no power over us. Jesus, the judge, the king, the alpha, and the omega that Josue just prayed about holds his destiny, this enemy, in his hands. This gives us hope for today. Continue on, verse 11, it says, Then I saw, 
John's all about, he's just seeing stuff. He's like, I'm going to just write write these things out. Then I saw a a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away. Imagine that scene. The lamb lion shows up. The presence of earth and sky, they flee away. There's no place found for them. Verse 12, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. And then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name, catch it, y'all. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And y'all, just be completely vulnerable with you. I, I felt so heavy for this morning, knowing that we're going to encounter a lake of fire that isn't just like some temporary fire that we put on, but a fire that will go on forever and ever. I mean, this is the day that those who have rejected Jesus will be dealt with accordingly. According to Daniel 12, verse 2, it says that all will experience a resurrection. Believers experience a resurrection. Unbelievers will experience a resurrection to face the wrath and fury of God Almighty. And this will be a second death. All things that were done in secret will be brought to light, and those outside of Jesus will be condemned to eternal torment. And what stood out to me as I was going through this, as I was sitting with with it, is that it's these books, it's these books that are open, and, and those whose names, whose names are not written in the book of life will be thrown into the lake of fire forever. So yes, God is love, but he's also just. Yes, he is kind and patient, yes, but he's also holy, and he's righteous. So our second thought this morning is this, is that there's power in the name. Church, let me ask you a question. The question is this, do you have a list of names You are praying over for them to encounter Jesus, who is life, so their names would be written in the book of life. Are we praying? Do you have a list of names in your pocket? Because when you have a list of names of people who don't know Jesus, it gets personal. And maybe if we don't have a list of names of people that don't know Jesus, maybe we need to repent this morning. To lay down maybe the circles that we're really comfortable with and lead those circles to be around people that don't know Jesus. Not that they would influence us, but that we'd be in those circles to speak and invite people to follow Jesus. Because when we know people's names, it means something. You know when you meet somebody and you remember their name and then you say their name, you're like, oh man, you, you remembered my name. There's power in remembering a name. And this is what God does. This is what our, our good shepherd, he calls us by name. He does this throughout Scripture. Remember when Abraham was going with Isaac and going up that mountain to lay a knife to his own son, trusting God? What's God do to get Abraham's attention right before that knife fell? He says, Abraham, Abraham. While Moses was, was just killed an Egyptian, he's on, he's on the run, he's out in the wilderness tending after sheep for 40 years. At some point, you know, Moses is out there thinking, I should probably graduate from this and maybe do something better with my life. But he's on the run. He's in the wilderness. The burning bush shows up. And this bush is not only burning, but it knows Moses' name. Do you remember this? 
Not just once, it's Moses. Moses. And at the time when Israel had rarely heard from God, there's a, a young boy who's sleeping in the temple. And it's at night. And the, this voice comes out. And what's he say? Samuel. Samuel. Can you imagine that in the middle of the night? As a young child, my son right now, he's getting really skittish. Like he's getting like afraid of the dark. I don't know what the deal is. Like I, I don't know what it is about the darkness. But can you imagine like there's something about being in the dark and then also you hear your name? File that away. It was at night that the Lord called out to Samuel. Jesus himself saw and called the disciples, and they laid down their source of identity in a fishing net and their family to find their identity in the work of Jesus. And while Saul was in the midst of persecuting a church, literally on his way, Jesus interrupts and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And my favorite of calling out by name is when Jesus and John 11, uh, he heard about his friend Lazarus. And he goes and he says this, he says, Laz he calls Lazarus out by name. Lazarus, come out. I love this, verse 44. That's why you read the Bible, y'all. Verse 44, the dead man came out and his hands and feet were wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. My point in all this is that God has gone on record in calling people out by name. Do you remember when he called your name? It wasn't an audible voice. It was in the preaching of God's word. But God is a personal God. So let me ask you some questions, churches. Do we have a list of names in our back pocket? Do we have a list of names not only in our pocket, but in our heart? What are the names of your neighbors? What are the names of your coworkers? What are the names of your family members? The name of the waitress? The name of the person checking you out? at the grocery store. Y'all, eternity is at stake. Eternity. Forever and ever. And God invites us to be part of interrupting people's lives where they are in the midst of fear, in the midst of pride, in the midst of confusion to speak a new name, a new identity, and a new story over others. So y'all, will we lay down our attempt to self persevere or preserve behind our own name and join God in the lifting of Jesus's name. For that it is in that name in which no one else can be safe. Will we join him as he is inviting people and, and, and drawing people into himself? Because there's one thing about the final judgment is it brings a, a sense of urgency in the present. And our sense of urgency is to proclaim the name of Jesus, to invite people to follow him. For us not to only be people who are kind and nice and can carry a conversation about food, drink, sports, Houston traffic, politics, or vacation, but that we would be a people who leave our house with some scuba gear as we engage in conversation with people and say, Lord, what you doing? How can I meet people in the dark? How can I meet people in the confusion? How can I meet people when they're finding their identity in their job to give them a new story and a new name? Because Jesus, he knows your name. More than that, he knows your story. And he invites us into a better and new story that we can even dare to dream or imagine. I want to just take this moment. If you don't know Jesus, you haven't had a relationship with him, will you look to him? Will you trust in Jesus who died the death that you deserve and rose to life to give you life now and to secure your name in the book of life 
forever? Will you trust him? Will you maybe pause and think, am I going through the motions? Am I just kind of doing this, this church thing and just kind of maybe being here because I was pressured to be here or, or whatever it may be that, that we would actually see our depravity and our brokenness, but yet God's crazy love for us and pursuing us and dying for us and raising to life for us so that we can find life in him. Is will you trust in that? Will you lay down the, the pretending and the hiding and give yourself over to him? There's a new story, a new, bigger, and better story. Where's our sense of urgency? All eternal eternity is at stake. But not only does this final judgment give us, a, give us urgency, but it also it frees us up to forgive others who have maybe branded us with names that have brought shame in wounds. Maybe we're wrestling with names that were called to us. Maybe we're wrestling with the fact that we've been wronged or we've been faced with injustice. And there may be a tendency within us, swelling in us, to, to avenge ourselves, to prove ourselves. But y'all, knowing that, that judgment is coming for those that are outside of Jesus and that God is just and he's right, Paul says, hey, don't avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay. The wrath that you could unleash on another person, if given the chance, can't even compare to the wrath of God Almighty ahead if they don't place their faith in Jesus. So this final judgment for those that are wrestling with injustice or have some wounds from our childhood, the final judgment invites us to lay down bitterness and rage, to be on a path and process of forgiveness in releasing that other person into God's hands. Because if we don't find healing in this, we'll lean into the hurt and then we'll hurt other people. Sometimes even those closest to us. But it's that final judgment that frees us, us, frees us up. The enemy, he's going to be defeated. It's a, it's, a, it's a guarantee. There is power in the name. But also Christians will be judged. Christians will be judged as well. The, this, this judgment for for Christians in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 12 through 15, Paul writes, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved only as through the fire. So there's a judgment coming. There's a day that we will all appear before the Lord, even as Christians. Now, this judgment isn't like based upon condemnation, but this judgment is based upon reward. Notice when Paul writes, he says that it's not the individual who is consumed by fire, but it's the work that they have done. Those who lay up treasures in heaven by living sacrificially and faithfully with pure motives will receive a reward. And those who produce wood, hay, and straw will suffer, will suffer loss. Y'all know a fire? I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little pyro. I, I love lighting some fires. But you know one thing, about, one thing about fires is fires, they're ruthless. They're ruthless, but they're also refining. They're refining. They, they, that's why Paul's saying, hey, those things are wood, hay, and straw. You know those things. Those things, they burn up quick. But those works that are done with, with pure motives, those works that are done uh, for the sake of Christ and lifting his name up and not our name up, 
those things and those rewards is what we will carry into the life ahead that's being prepared for us. Right now, my family and I, we're going through a, a rough season. My mom's house actually caught uh, on fire, and she's okay. Uh, my aunt is okay. Uh, but it's been just a really difficult uh, season for us. And uh, right now, her house is under construction. She's actually been uh, placed in some temporary residence for uh, maybe until Christmas or even the new year. Uh, and something that, 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 that has just stood out to me so much during this construction is the dumpster. They, they bring out these massive dumpsters, y'all. I'm not talking about these like little ones or like these bigger ones that you see outside the restaurant. I'm talking about almost like the length of the driveway. They bring out these things. And, and, and as we, I've gone to her house since the, since the fire, there's been loads of stuff in the dumpster. You don't think about how much stuff you have, but not only that, but what's behind the walls, AC units, all of it, they're in the dumpster and there's a smell to the dumpster. I, 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 I gag real easy. I don't know about you guys, like, I, I, I just, I, it's really, I, I, I get around certain smells, and I don't do well. There's something about trash juice that is, disga- like, it's ought to be disgusting, right? It was my, apparently my job to take out the trash when I was a kid, and I, was, I still to this day run outside with the trash. Get that thing out there, because it don't belong in my house. It's stinky. And I love the, the verse that the, the kids led us through this morning. Is but whatever gain I had, y'all, why am I telling this story? Why am I talking about this fire? Because through, the, through this fire, it, it refines, and it, it, you start seeing things that you once thought, like, oh, like, surely that's going to be gone, and then it's there. Surely the fire got that. No, didn't get that, actually. Yet what was read this morning and quoted, but whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. I love what River Wade said. I, mean, I, I love how he emphasized that. It is garbage. Did y'all catch that? It's Kublai. Like it is, it is rubbish. Everything that I thought I had, because you look at Philippians 3, Paul's saying, hey, look, I got some accomplishments, y'all. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Benjamite of the, of the Benjaminite. Like I, I pretty sure it's Benjamite, not Benjaminite, not that. It's, so I've done all the things. I got all the awards. I got all the accolades. I got it all going down. But whatever gain that was, I count as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Y'all, that's where the reward is at. I'm saying, how, look how great I am, but look how great Jesus is. And it's the love that he has for us that he came and pursued us to invite him to find life in him. The question I want to ask you this morning based upon this judgment is when you stand before this judgment seat of Christ, what will you say you sacrificed for the kingdom in 2020? In 2020, in this year, what will you say you sacrificed for the kingdom? Will it be hay? Will it be stones? Gold or straw. We all appear before the judgment seat to be refined, to prepare us for eternity. And y'all, I'm so excited about this. We talked about some bad news. Y'all, here's some good news for those in Jesus. The last thought this morning is what, what was lost in Eden will be fully and finally restored in the new heavens and the new earth. Look with me in, your, in the Word. It says this in Revelation uh, chapter 21. I read before, then I saw, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw, look at John, he's seeing stuff, writing it down. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. How so? Prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Husbands, look at me, y'all. Husbands, where are you at? You remember your wedding day? Do you remember when your bride came around that corner? Man, that was a day, y'all. All the fun, you're all hanging out with your buddies, laughing, and then you get there on stage, and you're sitting there waiting, and then that music starts hitting. Bow, 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 bow. That's not the wedding song, but it's something like that. Bow, 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 bow. And you're like, that's what's going on in your head. It's like, all right, all right. You're thinking you, you're, like, you're the man, right? And then she comes around that corner, and then uh, I have a picture of, uh, of a little something that I saw on the line. This is this brother right here. He's done. <laughs> the wind just got knocked out of him. Sucker punch. Hoo-dah! Can't even breathe. He's over. That little picture nice and sweet, probably at the first look. Listen, if you ain't married, like, there's something powerful that, that moment when your bride comes around that corner. It's weighty. It's beautiful. My bride was beautiful, y'all. Still beautiful. Comes around that corner, and there's, I got to the point where I was on stage, no joke. And I, 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 the pastor behind me came and touched my back. I was like, what's he doing? Why is he touching my back? It's because I was about to fall over. He's like doing a spot behind me. Make sure I was, he was going to hold me up. There's something beautiful. And that's why when you attend weddings, what's God doing? What's, what's this picture that he's, he's painting before us? He's saying, I am going to commit to you no matter what. No matter what day it may be, no matter what year it may be, there will become a day now and forever that I am going to commit myself to you. I ain't going anywhere. I I ain't going no places. I've come to dwell with you. That's why in verse 3 it says, And a loud voice came from the throne saying, Behold, look, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. And neither thou sh- now there should be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne, behold, this is the words of Jesus, behold, I am making all things new. And he looked at John, and he said, write this down, because you're going to forget we are forgetful people to go back from the beginning, like to the beginning of our talk. Like, so we are forgetful people. We need words before us. Write this down, John. Before George Strait sang a song saying, write this down. God gone on record say, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. This is our, this is our king. This is the line that we sang about. This is the land that we sang about. That in this new heavens, in this new earth, there'll be no more funeral homes let this sit in a little bit. No more funeral homes, no more hospitals, no more waiting rooms, no more crying, no more pain, no more cancer. You know, anything about the life of our church that cancer's hit hard for us right now. There will become a day there will be no more cancer, no more tumors, no more fear, no more depression, no more abortions, no more evil, no more orphans, no more hurricanes, no more viruses. Can I get an Amen. There'll be none of these things. There'll be no starvation. There'll be no dehydration because the river of life will run through the city and we will have our full, y'all, 
to drink freely and fully from the river of life, Jesus himself. No more electricity bills. No more trying to figure out which electric, electric company is going to give me a better rate. Maybe this one right here. Should I change it? None of that. Because the glory of the Lord will light up and power the city. They himself. And there will be a holy city. It's beautiful. I kind of nerded out a little bit. I want to show you a map. According to Revelation 21, there's these, these dimensions that are here. Look how big this city's going to be. And I'm not saying the city's going to be here in the States. I'm not saying that. I just went with what my frame of reference. That each wall is going to be about uh, 1,500 miles, which would mean that would be 6,000 miles around about. So you look like, some of y'all been to Florida. Y'all, some of y'all made that trip here from Texas. You know how long that thing is? So from Orlando all the way to Albuquerque, all the way up to Winnipeg, over to Montreal and back is roughly around 6,000 miles. Y'all, this is how big this city, this new Jerusalem is going to be. It's going to be this big rough about, like I, I, kind of looking at the dimensions and kind of nerding out a little bit. We look at this, how big it's going to be, and it's actually going to be as high, 10 times higher than the space shuttle flies. I think this is enough room for us that Jesus is doing. He's preparing a place for us. But listen to me, church. More important than being, having this city more important than being free from disease, more important than any of this, and the, the greatest reward is that we will be in the presence of God, and we will enjoy unhindered fellowship with him. No more, no, the blind shall see, the lame will walk. That's why Jesus shows up and starts performing miracles. So if I say the kingdom is now, but it's not yet, it's coming. His goodness and greatness will never be exhausted. And we'll constantly be learning to worship him in ways that we never have before. In Revelation 22, verse 4 says, And we shall see his face. Imagine the moment. All this life of preparation. Our greatest reward is before us. We shall see his face. Because there was once points where Moses said, God, I want to see you. And he said, now you can't look at this. Not just yet. But there will be a day where we see his face and he will look back at us with infinite love. And he will shower us with his delight. And he will be fully present and pronounce over us, you're safe. You're safe. I've got you. And we will know in that moment more than ever before that in his presence there truly is fullness of joy. And we will want nothing else than to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life and to behold his beauty and then our hearts will burst forth and will join in with the saints to sing holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was who is and who is to come the good and great best good all the words that we can't even describe psalm 145 3 says that god himself is unsearchable we'll be finding out ways to figure out new things about him and it will be endless within this new heavens in this new earth. I'm going to invite the band to come back up as they get ready to close this, y'all. As we end on a note of coming around and, 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 and what right, right now what's going on in the heavenlies as they're singing holy, 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 like this is going on. We're going to end by joining them in magnifying the Lord. But as they make their way up here, if I could summarize the Bible in three ways, really three trees, 
It all started with a tree in Genesis. Tree of life, tree of knowledge, good of evil. Man rebelled, took matters in his own hands. God cast him out. There's that tree. The middle tree is that tree that, that Jesus bore. He bore that cursed tree on our behalf. He paid the penalty that we deserve and rose to life to give us life. So will you trust him? That's the, that's the good news of the present, y'all. That there's good news in this tree. Jesus dying for you and, and for me. That's life changing, life altering. When we give ourselves over to him, will you trust him this morning? Will you trust him now? Will you trust him forever? But then there's that last tree, that tree of life we see in Revelation, which is the same tree from Genesis. What's God doing? What's, what's he doing? He's restoring, y'all. It's a beautiful story of redemption, restoration, that was echoed twice, by the way, by two different people this morning. Man, that's from the Lord. That was cool. And so we end on that note. That God's making all things new. We look ahead and we join him as he does. Let me pray. Guys, we groan today as we have our tents. We are on this pilgrimage to, to a new home. God, I pray that you'd strengthen us. God, that you would comfort us. And God, as we long for your coming, we long for the lion and the lamb, the alpha and the omega. You say that you're coming soon. And so we as the church say amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And I pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus would be with us all. We love you. Ultimately because you first loved us. To your name I pray. Amen.